Good afternoon, everyone. This is Kennedy, host of the Kids Hub Book Club and president of the Kids Hub Media Network. This week, I'm going to be starting Julius Caesar, which is a play by William Shakespeare. I introduced Julius Caesar last week just to give everyone some historical context. And as of now, you know that Julius Caesar is an actual historical figure, but Shakespeare decided to put a dramatic twist on the story um, and turn it into a very entertaining play that is also very educational because there are parts of the story that are accurate. So I'm going to summarize Act 1, Scene 1, and then give a little bit more explanation in case anything is still unclear. So we start, like I just said, in Act 1, Scene 1, and the streets are crowded. So because it's a play, um, you have the uh, stage directions and the format is as in... um as in a screenplay. So you have the name of the person, and then you have their lines, and then the name, and then lines. And then in between, normally in italics, you have the stage directions, and you also have numbers going down the sides of the page in addition to stage numbers, so that when you want to reference a line, you reference it that way. If anyone wants to get a copy of the book, I, um, I recommend the Folder Edition, because on the right side of all the pages is the actual text by Shakespeare, and the left are notes, I believe, from the editor. So, for example, if there's um, a type of um, colloquialism that was used back then, and that might not be used now, it is explained. So I always appreciate that because as much as you might be great reading books, it's still difficult because this is Renaissance writing, 16th century English literature, so it might be hard to understand without that extra help. So I am reading this book only for the second time. Normally most of the books that I do for my reviews I've read twice, but this one I've read once, so I'm excited to get back into it. And the last time I read it, I was a freshman, and now I'm a senior, so maybe I'll get something different out of it like I always tell everyone who listens that they will, and I have some annotations here, so if there's anything that I think I can add from annotations, I'll mention that. So, getting right into it, I have chapter, so, so scene one, you can tell that the streets are crowded, because the stage directions are, enter Flavius, Morellus, and certain commoners, including a carpenter and a cobbler, over the stage. So, the streets are crowded, we're not exactly sure why, but briefly we find out that Flavius and Morellus have um, some kind of status, and I have in my annotations, I guess what my either history or English teacher told us, is that a tribune is a representative of the commoners. So these are people who are some sort of government official, and they're along outside with the commoners outside, and they're instructing them to go back home or to go back to work, but not to stay outside um, and socialize. So, again, we're not really sure, and the first time you're reading this, they seem authoritative, but without reason. So, arbitrarily authoritative, and you're not really sure why or if it's necessary. Um, and then Morellus, who is one of the um, tribunes, starts getting into this banter with one of the commoners, um, telling him to head back home, asking him if he does his job properly. Um, and he's, you know, we can tell that um, Morellus doesn't have... Um, great temperament. He becomes frustrated pretty quickly. Um, then Flavius comes over and he too is trying to get this man to go back home. But essentially they want everyone off of the streets. And the cobbler pretty much explains that the reason he's outside is because he's actually celebrating um, and he's celebrating the fact that Caesar has returned. So um, everyone has given themselves 
a holiday pretty much. So, um, Act 1, Scene 1, Line 32 says, um, for the cobbler says, Truly, sir, to wear out these shoes to get myself into more work. But indeed, sir, we make holiday to see Caesar and to rejoice in his triumph. So, um, I have in the notes that his reason is that they've taken the day off because Caesar, who I guess at the time is, um, he's a military leader, has been successful. So there was a battle against a rival whose name is Pompey, not to be confused with, um, the Roman, well, it's part of, like, the, it's also, this is still in Rome, but it's not to be confused with the explosion of Mount Vitruvius. This is Pompey, who's a person who Caesar has defeated. So everyone is very excited about this, but we can tell that Morellus and Flavius don't seem to think this is, you know, very praiseworthy. So Morellus and Flavius try to really understate the importance of Caesar's victory, and they you can tell that their loyalties lie elsewhere because they begin to scold the people for um, celebrating Pompey's defeat. And they say that at one point, these people had actually supported Pompey. So right then and there, we get a lot of information. So we know that Rome is pretty unstable at the moment because we have um, rulers changing a lot and people shifting loyalties and being influenced left and right. You have the tribunes who are supposed to be representing the people, but clearly they're not because if everyone's celebrating for one person and the tribunes are scolding them for who they are um, supporting, then the tribunes aren't really doing their job. So this also brings up a really, really important theme. I guess you could call it more of a motif that comes throughout the play, but this idea of conspirators and supporters. So the reason I don't use the word enemies, I wouldn't say that Flavius and Morellus are enemies of Caesar, is because they don't always outwardly seem to hate him. If they were actual enemies, which I think is different from a conspirator, they might outwardly try to attack him, try to make sure that he doesn't, um, you know, maybe try to kill him or assassinate him, but um, outrightly. But conspirators might do the same thing, but they might be a little bit more secretive about it, and they wait until they get a larger group of people against this person. So Morales and Flavius are clearly trying to get everyone away from Caesar's side. And um, we, we find out that at the end of the scene, they go to the capital, and the capital has an altar. And everyone needs to keep in mind that in this time, Christianity wasn't necessarily... Well, religion was... Um, religion in general was very um, diverse, to say the least. So you have people worshipping different pagan gods. Uh, some people are worshipping this. Some people are worshipping that. But people are all over the place. So they have different altars. And sometimes they even praise their emperors. So at the end of the scene, you have Morellus and Flavius going down to the capital where um, they're going to see if there's a statue of Caesar and if there is one, they'll remove any kind of um, any kind of uh, victory signs or any kind of crowns or sacrifices that were offered. They're going to remove them because they don't want anyone supporting him. So that's where the chapter ends. So it's a pretty bitter beginning. We see that there are people who clearly support Caesar and maybe the commoners are supporting him in an open-minded way. Maybe the supporters are supporting Caesar because it's something that they can do all together to bring Rome together. But it's not completely clear, but we know that there are some people who really don't support Caesar. We're not exactly sure why, we just know that they have their loyalties elsewhere. And I think it is a great way to set the tone, because now we're aware that we have some conflicting interests. So I hope that everyone is interested in Julius Caesar. It's definitely an interesting read, also because you learn a lot about leadership 
and ambition and conspiracy and conspiracy theory. So I think it's interesting and for anyone who was looking for something different from the books that we've done before, this is definitely it or someone who's just looking for something new. So I mentioned last week that at the end of each week I would either give a um, word of the day or a college tip, but I think I'll give another college tip because I think um, it was a good start to one last week and people might be curious again. So just a quick recap of last week's, I suggested that everyone write down what their interests are. So regardless of the name of the school or, um, you know, what your family might be interested in or your friends might be interested in, you write down exactly what you're interested in because that's the right place to start and you can't really start to search for the right school unless you know what exactly it is that you're looking for. So the next thing I would suggest is, and I think this might be more specifically toward people who will be um, juniors this coming fall, Look on colleges' uh, websites and look at requirements and look at when you can visit. A visit is a really, really essential part to the college process, not only because it, you know, you get a sense of location, but really the feel of the campus. And no matter how much you read online, how many people you know who already go there, what you hear from admissions officers or see in brochures, it's really important to go and just get a feel. Um... This is not necessarily to get an academic feel, but how do you feel comfortable on that campus? Do you feel comfortable? And the reason that's important is because the bro- the job of a brochure is to um, really paint the school in its best possible light. And no matter which admissions officer you talk to, they'll tell you that it's a great place because that is their job and also because they might think it's a great place. But you might go there and as much as the academics are great and the extracurriculars are great and everything seems to be falling into place, you might not actually feel like you're fitting in there. So that's the next thing I would suggest doing is getting on these school websites and see when you can visit, how long it'll take you to get there, and how you'll get there, and it's a great way to jumpstart. And also for the admissions officers to start seeing your face and putting a face to the name, and that can really be beneficial in the application process. So next week, I'm going to be reviewing Act two, Act 1, Scene 2 of Julius Caesar. I hope everyone's enjoying it so far. It's a great read, and it doesn't actually take too long of a read. Once again, I suggest the Folder Edition because it's helpful as a, as a reading aid if you're not really used to the lingo that Shakespeare used in his time. Uh, but that's all for this week. That's Kennedy on Kids Hub, giving youth a global voice.